At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our Christmas message series, Eyewitness, Finding Your Christmas Story in Theirs, where you're invited to find your story in the extraordinary experiences of the men and women who witnessed the very first Christmas. Together, we'll see that no matter who we are, the coming of the Christ was for us. Let's continue to worship the Lord together as we open the scriptures, as we have been over the last few weeks. We're looking at a few of the different gospels, and we were in the gospel of Luke two weeks ago, looking at the life of Mary and her experience around Christmas. Last week, we opened up the gospel of Matthew and looked at Joseph's experience around the time of Christmas, and today we're looking at another set of characters and their experience actually on Christmas Day, the first Christmas Day, uh, this group of shepherds that was outside of Bethlehem where Jesus was being born. And we've titled this series again, Eyewitnesses, because this is a historical account. As I've mentioned, for sure, Christianity is intended to be personal and spiritual, but it is also, it claims to be historical in space and time. The Lord did these things through the birth of his son, the life of his son, and ultimately his death and resurrection. And so we're examining these eyewitness accounts of those who beheld the Lord on his first day. And today we're looking at these shepherds. So Luke chapter 2 Verses 8 through 20 are the verses I'll read for us. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Brothers and sisters, hear the words of our God. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around the angel, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to the shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Glory in excelsis Deo. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from the shepherds into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And the shepherds went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when the shepherds saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary 
treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last December, author Paige Cohen wrote an article for the Harvard Business Review titled, Why Am I So Obsessed with Giving People Gifts? Why am I so obsessed with giving people gifts? Early in the article, she explains, quote, This may sound extreme to people who aren't into the holidays, but for me, it's not even about the time of year. What I love is giving people presents. I love scrolling online with someone else in mind, finding that perfect thing, wrapping it for them to open. I love anticipating their reaction upon tearing back the paper, the surprise, the dilated pupils, the pure joy as they stare adoringly into my eyes. I love this feeling so much that I am going broke. Well, you may not be obsessed with seeing the responses of the people you give gifts to, but I'm sure you can at least identify and relate with this experience. Sometimes you give a gift to a person, they open it up, and it's sort of ho-hum, meh, not a huge response. But other times, the reaction is electric, thrilling, joyful. Well, the Christmas season is all ultimately about God's gift to humanity, the gift of his son, the Lord Jesus. In John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave the world Jesus. God gifted Jesus to the world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, the Apostle Paul refers to Jesus as God's, quote, indescribable gift. And this is why we give gifts to one another around this time of year, as a reflection of God's gift to the world, his son, Jesus. Well, what's your reaction to the gift of God? What's your response to the one whom God gave for us and for our salvation? Do you respond with the same ho-hum that you do to the bland sweater that your in-laws have given you for the fifth year in a row? Not that I know anything about that. Or do you respond to the gift of God with something different, something deeper? Well, in today's passage, we're hearing the story of some of the first people to see God's gift. Some of the first people who had a chance to respond to the gift of God. These few men, these shepherds, were some of the first ones to lay their eyes on the indescribable gift that is Jesus. And we're going to see what they saw and how they responded. We're going to see two things they saw and the one way they responded. So first, they saw the glory of God. As the gift of Christ is being presented, they saw the glory 
of God. So the story begins in the slow, darkened hours of the night shift. These shepherds were out in the field watching over their flock by night, and they're in the same region as Bethlehem, probably in the rural countryside surrounding the town of Bethlehem where Jesus was being born. And even though it may have been the slow hours of their night, there is apparently a lot of activity going on in heaven. Because just then, in this quiet countryside scene, heaven opens up before them. So listen to verse 9 and verses 13 and 14. Luke writes, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and the shepherds were filled with great fear. So in the same way that the moon reflects the glory of the sun, this angel reflects the glory of God. The glory of God radiates from this angel. The glory of the Lord shone around him. And from there, their experience of glory ramps up even more. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the one angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom God is pleased. So this, these glorious beings sing to the glory of God. And the shepherds see this. They get a glimpse into the glory of heaven, almost in the same way that in the book of Revelation, the apostle John sees into the throne room of heaven and the worship of God that is taking place there. These shepherds see the multitude of heavenly host praising God and giving him glory. Earlier this year, the actor William Shatner took a ride on the Blue Origin rocket. This rocket is owned by Jeff Bezos because of all the money we've spent over the last month. This rocket's owned by Jeff Bezos and his space exploration company. And for this trip, the Blue Origin was going to fly over 60 miles straight up, just above what is known as the Kármán line, which is supposed to distinguish the Earth's atmosphere from outer space. They were going to shoot up just into outer space and then come back down. They experienced weightlessness for about four minutes and were able to see some remarkable sights outside of this rocket. Shatner later referred to the trip as a, quote, profound experience and unlike anything I've ever seen. He went on, quote, I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. I just hope I never recover from this. I hope that I can maintain what I feel now. I don't want to lose it. It's so much larger than me, so much larger than life. It has to do with the enormity and quickness and suddenness of life and death. In other words, Shatner saw, he experienced glory. Glory. Shatner and his fellow crew members got a peek into the realm of outer space. And similarly, these shepherds get a glimpse into the realm of heaven. Because as God is giving the gift of his son, the angelic glory of heaven is opened up. 
Because Jesus is glory incarnate. Jesus is the glory of God in the flesh of a human. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 says that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God shines in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a lot of glory to be experienced in our world. The glory of traveling to space, the glory of seeing your children born, the glory of many natural wonders like mountains and oceans, the glory of achieving your dreams in work or sports or exploration. There's so much glory to be experienced in life. But the claim of the gospel is that nowhere is glory more concentrated than in the person of Jesus. Nothing is more magnetic Nothing is more compelling. Nothing is more beautiful than Jesus. The radiance of the glory of God. See the glory of God. He is a man, but he is no mere man. He is a teacher, but he is no mere teacher. He is a religious figure, but he is no mere religious figure. He is the glory of heaven manifest on earth in flesh. So that's the first thing the shepherds see. As the gift of God is being presented to them, that's the first thing they see about this gift. It is the glory of God. Secondly, they see the humility of God. The humility of God. So let's go back to the story in verse 9. The angel of the Lord shows up in the middle of their night shift, the glory of the Lord shining around this angel, And in verse 10, the angel speaks to the shepherds. He says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, so far, the angel's message is exactly what you'd think it would be if an angel were to deliver a message directly to you. It is an awesome, amazing, glorious message. Christ, the Lord, the Savior of all people, has been born today. This is awesome, amazing, and glorious news. But then something interesting. The angel finishes his message in verse 12. He says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find the Christ, the Lord, the Savior, as a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, this is peculiar. The glory of God is opened up to us. This glorious good news about a Savior is shared with us, but the glorious one, the Savior, is in a barn, lying in a food trough. But sure enough, the shepherds leave their post. They make their way towards Bethlehem. And verse 16 says that they find exactly what the angels said they would. Mary, Joseph, and the baby lying in a manger, which is a cute-sounding word for an animal's food trough. Now, if you have animals, or if you have had animals... You probably know, at least this was true for me with our dogs and cats, 
the dish they ate their food out of was not dignified. I never cleaned my dog's dish bowl. I just put food in it night after night. And they would, you know, bury their snout in it, biting up and licking up the food. I clean my own dishes. I eat off of a clean plate, but not Sparky because he doesn't care. He is a dog and it's not going to kill him. So he's not going to eat from a clean dish. And certainly this was true for a food trough in a barn. It was not elegant or clean. And yet, there lies glory incarnate. There in this food trough lies the Christ, the Savior, the Son of David, the Lord himself. And so the shepherds not only saw the glory of God in the gift of Christ, they also saw the humility of God in the gift of Christ. And this manger is one of the first signs that Jesus confounds our expectations. Jesus, time and again, with what he says and what he does, he throws us for a loop. He challenges conventional wisdom. Our expectations are that a glorious person should look glorious. He should show up under glorious circumstances. So, for example, I remember when President Trump visited Macomb County in 2017. My family and I were still living in Washington Township. And he had had a rally in Sterling Heights, I think it was. And I remember going up and down Van Dyke Expressway that day. Going up and down the expressway, there was a mile-long motorcade just shut down the whole highway. Black SUVs, armored vehicles, limousines, law enforcement, flashing lights. That's how you show up in flex, right? That's power. That's glory. Well, maybe not. Maybe, as Jesus would later say, the first are going to be last. And the last are going to be first. Maybe, as Jesus would later say, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Maybe, as the apostle would later say, true strength is in weakness. Weakness. The shepherds saw the glory of God and they saw the humility of God. And this is why this is so important. Jesus' junky, nasty cradle foreshadowed the cross. In his food trough cradle, Jesus identified with the lowly And on the cross, oh, how he identified with the lowly. In his cradle, Jesus was near the nastiness of animal drool and germs. And on the cross, Jesus took upon himself the nastiness of our sin and the filthiness of our shame. The willingness of Jesus to lay in a food trough foreshadowed his willingness to be hung from a criminal's 
cross for the likes of you and me. His disgusting cradle points to his gruesome cross. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian. And he writes these words in one of his writings reflecting on Christmas. Bonhoeffer says this. Who among us will celebrate Christmas correctly? Who among us will celebrate Christmas correctly? Here's his answer. Whoever finally lays down all power, all honor, all reputation, all vanity, all arrogance, all individualism beside the manger. Whoever remains lowly and lets God alone be high. Whoever looks at the child in the manger and sees the glory of God precisely in his lowliness. And that is the wonder of all wonders that God loves the lowly. God is not ashamed of the lowliness of human beings. God marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs his wonders where one would least expect to see them. God is near to lowliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak, and broken. So let me ask you, are you weak? Weak to resist sin? Weak to be all that God made you to be? Are you weak? Are you lost? Lost in life, unfulfilled, directionless, wandering? And are you broken? Broken by sin, stuck in shame, feel like the filth of a food trough? Well, if so, you are Jesus kind of person. He came in lowliness. He died in lowliness. And it was only then that he rose in power. And now with the authority of heaven, he offers restoration, forgiveness, and hope to you, to you, as you trust in him and live by his spirit, see the glory of God, see the humility of God. So as I said, we're going to see two things about the gift of God. The shepherds saw the glory and humility of God in the gift of Jesus. So how did they respond? Well, what we see is that they respond with wonder. They respond with wonder. In other words, they give the kind of response that Paige Cohen is addicted to. They respond with wonder to the gift of God. So look again at verses 17 through 20. Luke writes, When the shepherds saw it, in other words, when they saw the scene of Mary, Joseph, and the child being born, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them from the angel concerning this child. And all who heard about the angel telling the shepherds, they wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned 
glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and for all that had been told them. So a sense of wonder falls over everyone who is at the stable where Jesus was born. Curiously, Luke says that Mary was treasuring up, storing these experiences, pondering them in her heart. And then Luke tells us that the shepherd's wonder leads to worship. They join the angels, glorifying and praising God for the gift of the Savior. So you're probably going to get some gifts this week. And your response might be a little flat. I mentioned earlier my dear, sweet, generous in-laws who habitually give me average sweaters, just very average sweaters every year. They're good people and they truly love me. It just doesn't always show. So next week, when I am opening up my Old Navy light tan sweater, my response is probably going to be a little blah, and I can try to manufacture a response. Maybe I should just fake it. I certainly do say thank you, at least, and I am thankful in a way. But I don't feel wonder. I am not moved in my heart. But friends, the gift of God is infinitely more than we could ever imagine. Total glory and full humility in the person of Jesus. Never was there anyone more glorious and never was there anyone more humble. Never has there been anyone more worthy and yet he set his worthiness aside, entered a manger and ultimately hung from a cross. As Bonhoeffer put it, he marched right into our lowliness so that we could be with him in his exaltation. This is Jesus, the lover of the broken, the savior of sinners, seeker of the lost, servant of all, the gift of God. Let's respond to this great gift with wonder. And let's join him in his lowliness, his cradle, just like his cross, calls us to lowliness. His manger and his cross call us to servanthood. It calls us to compassion and humility, to set aside arrogance, to set aside self-reliance and boasting. So let's join our Savior in the lowliness of the manger and the humility of the cross. That's the kind of witness our community needs to see. Not a people who've got it all figured out. Not a people who've got our lives all put together. Not a people who are powerful according to the world's terms. But a people who embody the humility of the cross with sacrificial love and selfless service. I pray it would be so for us in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
Our Father in heaven, we come before you in the name of Christ, the Lord, the Savior, the Son of David, the one who is infinitely worthy. Father, we bring before you our hearts that feel joy when we think of his coming. We feel joy when we think of fulfilled promises. And yet, Father, we also wonder that these promises are filled in such a way that throws us off. But God, we need the wonder of his humility, that he would lay his life down, that he would identify with the lowly. And so we come before you not only with joy, but with our shame, with our brokenness, and say we needed such a savior. We needed one who would meet us in our darkness, meet us with our sin. and restore us ultimately. And so Father, I pray that you would help us to truly experience the joy of Christmas, not just gifts and lights and sentimentality, but the joy of truly seeing Jesus, the gift of God for who he is, full glory and full humility in one person. And Father, I pray that your spirit too would Stir within us passionate worship, sincere praise, that we would join the choir of heaven, praising God, giving glory to him who was and is and is to come. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.